Welcome back to this week's episode of Unbranded with Miss Dean Loves You. I am your host, Susie Dean, and today I have on my husband, Robbie. We have a really great conversation that really goes all over the place. He talks about his passion for his meat and berries diet, his belief in not eating vegetables, a lot of the things that we did to have a successful and fruitful marriage, and the very interesting parts of us dating for the first time. I hope that you enjoy this episode. I know that no matter what part of your life you're in or what situation you're in, you're going to find some value in this one. Enjoy. Is I'm, I'm in a mood. You are in a mood. That is 1,000%. Accurate. Okay. Why don't and you describe? I, to literally, like seconds, seconds before, seconds before this podcast started, um, you were pissed at me. So we're just we're just winging this as as we go. Why don't we describe to our listeners what it means to be in a mood? Well, here's the thing: why are you always in a mood? Kind of started with the song, but it started with kind of the um the females in our friend group you know and how we described it was we put a nose emoji in the chat <laughs> so the husbands would put like a nose emoji nose nose emoji in the chat when somebody you know had the mood and then we just sniff it out <laughs> i don't know why it's but I don't, no. yeah and so but now the the mood doesn't just apply to the women in our friend group. Boys are in the mood too, and when we no, call it, it out, it we started. In those emojis. Yeah, it started with like the guys being like, "Hey, like, you know, like she's in a mood," you know. Now it just applies to everybody. My day has just been off of the normal routine since I woke up, and you know how routine oriented I am. So, first of all, the weather. Cloudy, great. A little oh. chilly, which is fine. I yeah. love that. I yeah. love that when it's on my terms. When I have no work, mm-hmm. when I can sit on the couch, when I can make some delightful soup on the stove, when I can read a book, not be bothered. But that was not the day that was planned for me. Okay, so I was not happy. The day that was planned for me was work and watching the baby when I wasn't working, which is a delight but it's not my laid back, comfy, cozy type of day. So that was the first thing. The second thing was, well, I guess actually the first thing was I had a horrible dream about you and you were just being a dick because you abandoned me at a party that I was completely underdressed for. Then, for the first time, we had somebody coming into our house to clean our house. And you know, we cannot just let a housekeeper come into our house raw. I was not going to let her see the baby's room. Good God. So as soon as I woke up from that horrific dream, I had to make our bed, wipe down the counters in the bathroom, try to like make the baby's room look presentable, take care of the baby. I was like trying to gather things up all the way up until I got a knock on the door from her. And then after that, I had to get ready for work, which I had to do on the floor of the living room because we had other workers in our bedroom 
going into the attic and all the lights that I don't like on were on because of the housekeeper, which like she can do her thing, but it's just, it was, it was just uncomfortable to like have so many people in your space. It's just something that I'm not used to. Then and it was like I'm a going busy, to work. And it was a busy day. <laughs> like I was for in both of us. Pretty yes. Like you were you were working. I was in meetings. We're like passing off Hawthorne left and right. Yeah. In between like yeah. meetings, diaper changes, right. naps, um, and then yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. I yeah. It was it was. It was not like your normal day in the Lions household, for sure. And then on top of it, like, I'm working and I'm already feeling so depleted. And I look outside and it's cloudy. So it feels like it's 6 o'clock, but it's 2.13 in the afternoon. And I think that's the worst part about cloudy, gloomy days is you think the day is over. And then you're just reminded that it's way not. And then... um, after the work day, um, I went on a walk with my mom, which was delightful, but still like out of my normal routine. We came home, we did our baby's nighttime routine. And then I got in a mood because I'm tired. I know I'm going to be tired tomorrow because we're going to a basketball game. I, um, know that we have to get this podcast done. I really wanted you to be on the podcast with me, but you had to make your steak. So I had to wait like an extra 35 minutes okay, to, be, for you to make your steak. Yeah. And it's, that was it's, a definitely a Susie rant. Time. I would like to, that was a Susie rant. I would like to interject. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, you're, we're, we're today was definitely weird. Well, not weird. It was not weird. It was just not like the normal day. And then, but we're trying to do normal day things. We're trying mm-hmm. to get your, your walk in. I'm trying to go to the gym, but like your mom went on the walk. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just not normal. Like she doesn't normally do that. And then she didn't want to go on the walk. And then, <laughs> and then like I picked her up halfway through the walk after I was coming <laughs> home from the gym. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like seven thirty, and we're like, Oh my God, I know. And it's still light out because daylight savings time. And so now it's like, it's still light out, but you think it's like six o'clock, but it's not six o'clock. It's like almost now it's now it's like nine o'clock in our head. It's like seven o'clock, but anyways, so then there's that. And then also, okay. To yes, it took a while um, for me to get my meat done, which doesn't normally take that long, but the fire kept on dying tonight because it's freaking windy. And a little bit cooler. <laughs> and so the fire died twice. So I had to restart the fire. It doesn't normally take that long for me to cook my steaks. I do it every single night. <laughs> Anyways. But yes. And then, so then I go, in the, about- I go in the room and I'm like setting up my pot. And like, this is not my normal podcast. Uh, I'm in Zooms 90% of the day. But like, this is, this is not my normal room. This is in the kitchen, which is fine. Because the baby's in my room where I normally have my podcast, which is he's sleeping. But <laughs> then, you know, and then you're in the other room. I well, no I, I just I think that you were 
um, interpreting my rant and my mood as being a result of you, but my mood and my rant was completely a result of just being off. Well, I always think it's ritual. me. Because, like, nah, what? no, you, what? Uh, your mood is probably. I mean, first off, you woke up this morning and then you said, I had a bad dream about you. So, like, right <laughs> off the bat, it's me. No, no, I'm not one of those girls, but it was just okay. it was so fresh in my mind. Because a week this ago. Because this is the thing. You were cheating on me. Yeah, I don't know. In your dream. The and so I, then it just ruined the I whole know. day. Not, no, yeah. no, it, I'm not one of those girls. I'm not one of those girls. You're, you, you're saying that, but it today. definitely puts you in a mood. No, no, no. My mood. Well, first of all, <laughs> we want to get granular about it. The okay. reason that I went out of the way script. to bring... <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> the reason that I went out of my way to tell you about that dream is because I woke up late. I didn't get out of bed until like we both. Eight. I mean, to be fair, we and both, the last both four did. days, we've been waking up late. <laughs> it's like sleeping, sleeping has not been great. The last couple nights. Like, right before Daylight Savings, I woke up wide-eyed and bushy-tailed at five, got out of bed, and yeah. just, like, ran the shit. So yeah. It was awesome. I know. Now, I can't. I get it. But the reason... Is now it's, like, okay. seven o'clock, and you feel like, like you got hit by a truck. I know. I grabbed the baby at, like, I don't know, 6.15. I fed him. I put him back in his crib. And then I just, I felt so comfy, cozy in the bed. So I just decided to go back to sleep. And then in that hour and a half is when I had that incredibly vivid and detailed dream. And then I woke up fresh. Like you were opening up the shutters in our bedroom and that's what woke me up from that dream. So it was like vivid and fresh and detailed. I do want to get better. I do want to be waking up earlier. The other night, the other day when I woke up at like 5 a.m., it was awesome felt awesome i loved it that's totally the thing legit. with that is it's only it's only great if one of us wakes up at 5 30 like if oh we yeah i don't want you in 5 30 yeah no not good our place no. isn't big enough i was that. trying i was trying my hardest to make sure that i didn't wake you up that morning because i did not want you in my space it was sacred it was dark outside the baby was sleeping was that a weekday or was that like a saturday I, morning I think it was a Saturday. No, I think it was a weekday. I think it was like, like Friday. I'm not waking up early on Saturday, but like I will on the other day. I had to tread carefully because that was so good. Waking up early and being alone. Well, being alone in general. So good for my mental health. It was quiet. I could listen to a podcast, clean, pitter patter around the house. It was just like, it was incredible. But if you were there, then you'd. You'd just be doing your own morning routine, encroaching on my morning routine. No yeah. way. Why don't you tell people the reason why you have steaks every night? Because that sounds like, like, man, are you rolling in the dough? Yeah. First off, it's it, it sounds yeah. it's not <laughs> like I'm having ribeyes every single night. Um, you know, um, I do eat um, organs, which are generally cheaper. It is a part whole foods. I think whole foods, um, meat being a priority to that is a big deal. I think, I think it started me eating just steaks 
kind of started with me going down the seed oil rabbit hole. The seed oil rabbit hole was definitely, um, and for those of you guys kind of don't know what the seed oil rabbit hole is, is everyone kind of has to go on their own journey of the seed oil. Like you can't just like wake up and be like, oh, I'm just like not going to eat like seed oils today. Like, no, like you have to like kind of be invested in it. Otherwise, it's just not going to stick. So like everyone kind of has to go down their own rabbit hole and kind of have their own conviction when it goes down the seed oil rabbit hole. Um, so that's kind of when it started is, um, you're looking at where, where, you know, I'm trying to buy food at the store. And then when you read the ingredients and you find a seed oil in it, um, just really makes you rethink, rethink things, I guess. So then I just wanted to start eating whole foods. Just tell us about your general diet, the reason and the reasons behind it. Yeah, we so, don't have to spend too much time on this. Okay, that's fair because I I could kind of go down a rabbit hole, but the reason why the reason why that I kind of started into this was the seed oil rabbit hole. So I basically only eat beef. Probably, I try to do it. I mean, probably like honestly, probably like the last couple of weeks for sure. Definitely seven nights, seven days a week. I'm having. Steak for oh, yeah. steak for lunch with eggs, avocado. Um, I, I mean, there's exceptions. Like if we'll go out to eat or something. I think Sunday might have been my first day where I was just like, just give me like burgers, just plain, just the patties. Like that's all I want. And that, and that probably was the first time that I did that when we went out to eat as like a friend group. And, and there'll probably be times where, like, I'll probably cheat. But for the most part, when I'm at home, if I'm cooking, it's probably just going to be steak, eggs, or avocado. And then I'll snack on fruit. Yeah, there I aren't think, seed oils I think, and broccoli. Uh, cutting, seed oils from, cutting seed oils from the – I mean, maybe not. Um, I don't want to go down the vegetable rabbit hole because I don't want people to hate me. Um, but, like, uh, for Are the most part, <clears throat> you know, vegetables. Vegetables. Um, I would say that organic broccoli, there's probably not seed oils, pesticides, and stuff like that. But I think that if you were to eat broccoli that is not organic, um, then there is probably some sort of pesticide in it or seed oil. So there's seed oils in vegetables, but not seed oils in fruits? It's probably the same, which is why I try to eat organic berries or organic. I buy organic avocados for us because you eat avocados too. So then, <clears> why don't you I eat buy organic, organic, organic spinach? First off, like I've never liked broccoli, so I don't know why you keep like I've never okay. had broccoli because we, like have, in my life. because we have a head of broccoli in the fridge, and I love broccoli. <laughs> It's my favorite pizza. Yeah, topic. broccoli smells disgusting. Now, if you were to be like, "What vegetable? What vegetables are you trying to get rid of out of your diet?" I just don't think vegetables have much value for you. Um, but again, I don't want to get too much in the weeds because I don't want your followers to like hate me on the okay. first, uh, you know, okay. the first this time. This is just my question because I've 
I've been bringing this up to you for quite a while and I haven't really gotten your full read on it. So you've been on this <coughs> meat and berries kick for a few months. Mm-hmm. And lost I'm weight, very much lost weight. Great. Yeah. Okay. I'm very much Feels not great. on the meat and berries kick. I'm very, I feel really, I feel my, okay. If I were to say the best time in my life when I felt the absolute best was when I did a whole vegan detox for two weeks a couple years ago. I had never slept deeper, never woke up more wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, came home from school, work, still felt energized, skin's clearing up, people are making comments on my mood. That's when I felt the best. Second time I felt best was the senior year of college. I was eating like um, lean meat. I was eating chicken and fish vegetables and fruits, not drinking. And that's when I feel the I mean, best. you were definitely drinking and in college. You, my, se- my senior spring, I was not drinking that much. That much. Okay. Okay. So those were the times when I felt the best. You've been on this very... Um, I think whole foods. Very much. I think, I think whole foods, if you're eating consistently whole foods, you're going to feel better. And I think for most people, I think for most people, they eat a lot of processed foods that involve fried food, um, fast food. And I think that a lot of people, that's not going to get you to perform well. I mean, like, I mean, perform well, meaning like feel good, sleep good, Um, not like you're performing like in the Olympics, but I'm, I'm saying, right. I'm saying like for the most part, like for a lot of people, if you're, if you consistently eat just like whole foods, because I think that the majority of like the American diet is probably you're not eating nutrient foods. Like, That's why they call uh, the like a short, sure, I've never heard diet. that, but it's called the standard, the standard so, American oh. diet, SA, the sad diet. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've, I remember when I was in, went to France, I couldn't eat out three meals a day, and I wasn't like over, I wasn't bloated. I didn't feel like I ate too much. I didn't feel like it was, um, like bad for me. I didn't have that like guilt. Like, if, but if I did that in the United States, um, I think it, it, I would feel, I wouldn't feel that great. Personally. No, you wouldn't. None of us. I don't think anybody can objectively say that. And the sad part is that people don't, (laughs) people won't realize how bad the way their food and their standard diet is making them feel unless they change it. Isn't that like upsetting? You don't understand how good something makes you feel until you take it out of your diet. I never realized how important it is for me to drink. I, I drink a lot of water every day. I didn't realize how important it was for me to drink water until I would only drink, I would be busy and I'd only drink, I don't know, like 30 ounces by the late afternoon and I'd have a headache and I'm tired and I'm not sleeping well for two days later. And you'll feel it it when you stop doing it. Right. So, but the reason that I wanted to stop drinking water, stop eating whole foods. Right. That's when you notice. Right. 
So the reason that I wanted to bring this up is because you're very gung-ho about your meat and berries diet, but I always consistently say everyone, everyone's bio-terrain is different. What makes you feel good is going to be completely different from what makes me feel good. And I know that any time when I have eaten mostly meat, I just don't feel good. I feel heavy. Um, I feel like emotionally heavy and dry. I, I don't necessarily feel physically heavy okay, or but bloated, but question interject. Yeah. So when you eat meat though, you also eat a lot of vegetables, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's not like meat. Like I just had a steak, but that was all I had. And I feel totally fine. I don't feel heavy. I don't feel, I feel like I could still run a you know, a couple miles. Right. But like, if I'm, if I was eating steak and then like 50% steak and then 50% vegetables, sure. Um, I probably wouldn't, I probably would feel bloated. I would feel, um, heavy. I, don't I could also tell you that I could be eating raw fruits and vegetables for three straight days and feel on top of the world. I just think that it's a mistake and it's a disservice to people to push one type of diet when everyone is, everyone's diet needs to be individualized to them, their body structure, their, I don't know, their ancestry, their body type. And I think it's important to acknowledge when you're talking about your meat and berries diet to acknowledge that. This makes you feel good. You've lost weight. You feel energized. But cutting out vegetables is not necessarily going to be the right move for everybody. I, I think can I disagree. Can you agree with that? No. Oh, my God. I don't think God. I can. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I'm sorry. I just I think that for generations, right, the main food for wealthy people or like you know if you go back to like i don't know i'm just guessing here like medieval times right the poor people ate grains vegetables and like the wealthy people that were i don't know uh had a better life um mainly had a meat diet and like the well, poor yeah, people ate grains, grains. Grains and vegetables are easily accessible and easy to grow on your own yeah. and affordable. Yes. Yeah. Because it is of yeah, the So earth. if you want to be like, if you want to, I mean, you know, so if you want to be like the poor person, sure, eat vegetables and grains. Well, but you can't say that the vegetables are what caused them to be poor. I don't know. It's a rich person too. It's the top. It's the top of the food. It's the top of the food chain. It's meat, beef. You know, I it mean, you know, the the garden. power the the powers that be wants us to eat like insects and own nothing and be happy. I think in the group in our in our group chat today, you know, I label. I think I I gave out some you know five Bs. You know, Bitcoin, banging beef. Babies and Bibles is really all you need to have a happy life. Oh my god! Okay, so we so move let's, on. Let's I feel like keep, I feel like we should um, move on. 
Yeah, because you're, you're. Can we talk about how we met? Me I know, okay. I get it. So maybe we should move on. Let's talk about how we met. I think I was working in Palm Beach on the at the at a resort there. Um, I had Tinder. I think I had Tinder just for the, just for conversations, um, and then also like the companionship. Maybe I think I was. I mean, like I was never. I'm never somebody. I think I was never somebody that um, was on just just like in the dating game. I was really, I mean, I was raised, and you know this, I was raised to basically be a husband and a father. It's a great question why why I was on Tinder because that isn't like not how I was raised. I but think I know. For the most Didn't part, you have I think, like a bet? Didn't you have a bet with one of your roommates about who could get as many? matches who could get the that most may have matches? come up like once or twice that may have come up once or twice yeah um but i i mean i think it i think you're you know like i've always been before i met you babe obviously like you're the love of my life but like before i met you i was like always looking i was always looking for just one person i was i knew i was never looking for like the, the fling or like a like a summer fling, or just someone to hook up with. I was never looking for someone like that. I was always looking for one person. And I have to say, when I first met you, I did not think that you were that one person. Oh my god! What a dick! <laughs> I'm attached, and that's funny that you, you say so, I was never. That's that's, that's funny that you say I was never looking for a summer fling because at the end of that summer I was like, okay, dude, so what is this? And you're like, fair. oh, well, you're moving away, so you had summer fling written all over that. <laughs> okay, first off, I don't know. I was, I was like, I'm like, she is in a sorority. She's going <laughs> senior year. Um, is this something that I like want to commit to or get like heartbroken of? I've, I I don't know. So I think I think at that point I was really just in the I don't know phase, um, and and obviously like you won me over over the summer, babe. Obviously, I'm dope as hell. I think yeah, like you're in a sorority going into your senior year. I don't know like if like I'm like a, and this was yeah I guess this was like a a summer fling, my first like summer fling or whatever it was, and then you're going into your senior year, and I didn't want to commit because I didn't want to get hurt and maybe that's why i didn't want to commit and then eventually after the whole year like i still went and visited you visited you and um and then eventually i remember going up there and being like you you basically saying you need to ask me to be your girlfriend <laughs> yeah or like um okay so or like I want to. I don't know if you said like if it was over or like or I don't remember what you said, but you basically were like, it was kind of like an ultimatum. And at that point, like, oh, yeah. and at that point, my personality was my personality is like you're not going to tell me what to do, right? Like you you can't tell me to do that. But like in this instance, I was like, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense. So sure. No, my personality at that point in my life was very much I'm going to tell you what to do, and I told you. I am still dating people and I will continue to date people until you tell me that you want me to be your girlfriend because there had been way too many times high school and college when my girlfriends would say, 
oh, I really like this guy. He brings me over and like we study together and he doesn't want anything from me and he takes me out to dinner dates and we hook up sometimes and then they come to me heartbroken because they've been dating this guy exclusively and then he decides to take someone else to formal and they're and they're just like beside themselves and I'm like, okay, well, did he t did he ask you to be his girlfriend? Did he make that commitment? Because he has no obligation to you otherwise. So I don't know why you were under another impression. So I was constantly protecting my heart by saying to you multiple times, if you want to, if you want to tie me down, you need to tell me that you want me to be your girlfriend. And you kept saying, I'm not going to ask you to be my girlfriend. I'm 26 years old. So I kept saying, all right, I'm going to keep dating people. I think I thought that like, you know, like you didn't really have to ask somebody to be your girlfriend at 26. Like you're just, we were, I didn't, we I didn't think that. And I think that different. there's still people out there. I think there's still people out there that are, that feel that same way that if you don't like really have to ask somebody to be your girlfriend when you're like 26 years old um, and asking a 20, how old are you? 22, 21. I don't even 22. think you were 26. I, don't I was, I was 22. When I made that ultimatum. Okay, so I was I was twenty five or twenty six. So I was yeah. probably twenty five, sure. But um, uh, no, I might have been twenty six actually. But I, I I mean again I I didn't think that I didn't think that like you had to do that when you were that old. Because <laughs> I thought that was like I thought <laughs> I was like ancient. And then I would I would go to these um, sorority functions, mm -hmm. and and there's these like eighteen year old ch children. 19 year old children absolutely like hammered and i just i just didn't fit in like i was there for you like i was not there for yeah i was not there for fun like i was not there because i thought that i was going to have a fun time going to the woods <laughs> in like the middle of nowhere that's 50 minute bus ride where we stood the whole time. Um, I didn't, like that was like, yeah. that was not, that was not like something that I thought that I would, that I was there. I was there for you. I was not there because I thought that it was going to be fun. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just like literally about to like fight these like 18 year old children. Uh, like I was so annoyed, you know, there's no bathrooms, there's no drinks, there's no food. And there's um, yeah. That was then. That was my first experience going to a sorority thing, and I'm like, "This is the worst thing in the world. Why would anyone do this?" And then the next, oh my gosh! And then the next day, you woke me up at five <laughs> o'clock in the morning, and then we drove to Disney World. We and then we drove to Disney World. Okay, right. there all day. I was trying to, all, I was trying to maximize my time with you because I really liked you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. At the, I did not appreciate that at the time because you woke me up at, we, we got home at like one and then we went to Disney. You woke me up at like five thirty, and then we drove an hour and 45 minutes to Orlando. Um, and then to, the park opened at like nine. So like we were there, we were there right when it opened. And then we were there until like 1030. And then we got yeah. stuck. Yeah. And I was over it. <laughs> and then the drive, and then we had to drive back to, 
back to Gainesville and I'm falling asleep. Susie's falling. Susie's asleep. And I'm, I'm, I'm falling asleep at the steering wheel on the turnpike in Orlando. Don't get like, that was, that was honestly, it was, I'm glad that I saw you and, you know, it is a <laughs> good, like it was, it. it's a, it's a, it's a good memory and it's a good, it was a good yeah. memory, but at the same time, terrible experience. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> we didn't, we also just didn't get stuck in Magic Kingdom after the fireworks. We, was that also the time that we were misdirected from the monorail and were told that there was a monorail stop at the wilderness? Yes. Yes. And so, and so not only, so we got misdirected (laughs) like to two different places from, I'm getting worked out. She's like, yes, it does. (laughs) And I have no idea because the last time I was at Disney World was when I was eight years old, 10 years old. (laughs) I'm from Illinois. I'm not from Florida. And so, like, that was the last time I was in Disney. Okay. So, let's talk more about when we met. You, I remember. Okay, so I was on Tinder because I had recently broken up with a boyfriend. I was home for the summer for an internship and Mm. I had no intention of having a boyfriend senior year of high school, senior year of college. I was very much like no boyfriend. Don't want to deal with the heartbreak with the decision of leaving and all messy, just very messy. But while I was here, I did want to have some free dinners, which I think is fair. So I got on Tinder and I got my free dinners and I came across the profile. Yeah. Get that. What was the the first Uh, question that I asked? Well, we, the reason that I swiped right on you is because you super liked me. But I was also very (laughs) cute. Um, Well, you were standing alone in like a cornfield, which is like not my vibe. I actually swiped right on you to make fun of you. <laughs> that is Midwest because... swag, baby. <laughs> I swiped that right to make field? fun of oh, you dang. because okay, okay, okay. To make fun of you because you super liked me and you only get two super likes every 24 hours. I thought that you had to have the paid version. I think it's only one. Super like someone. Okay, okay well, first off, okay, 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 but first <laughs> off, babe, I don't want to get too graphic here, but like Susie's first one picture. <laughs> Not my first one. It was like maybe like the second picture was her in a bikini. Okay, okay I'm from South Florida. That's very normal. Okay, I'm just saying. I liked what I saw. <laughs> Super like. Okay. So I wanted I wanted to make fun of you for super liking me and then the first question that you said was do you want to play the question game? And I'm like, "Hell yeah, I do. I'm an only child. I love talking about myself." And then the first question you asked was penguins or pandas, and then you asked me questions for like 2 days and then it was dope. And then we went on our first date and I left that first date and I was like, 
he does not like me. <laughs> I'm never hearing from that guy again. But I got some good mushroom pizza to take home. Okay, so I thought you did not like me because you are someone that doesn't have a personality. And I very much have a personality. So yeah, what fair. was your impression of our first date? You're definitely like the fun person in the relationship. I'm just like there. And like I have a good time. Um, but I also like I'm funny. I think you're funny. I know you think I'm funny. You wouldn't have married me if you didn't think I was funny. <laughs> but like that's true. Like my 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 personality it was even after like we got married, you were like, Are you sure you still like me? Or like like you still yeah. just like ask me. That's a good point. And it was just like but it's also like I, I don't I, it's true, like I don't have a lot of emotion. I don't show signs of like excitement. You know, that's just mm -hmm. like not I, like things don't like excite me. I do have just like a, a very monotone voice, but also, but also like in seventh grade, I was like voted class clown. So there's that. Okay. Okay. So I, I need to know your impression of our first date. I remember, I remember you were like, what do you do? And then I told you, and then like at the, I remember you thinking that like I was a, and we don't have to go into this, but like, I remember you thinking that I was like a male escort um yeah and yeah i still question that yeah <laughs> maybe this is like part two of robbie coming back on the podcast you i think i think you still question if you were a male escort <laughs> I, I, I have no i i think that that is incorrect um, but I think, you know, for people's privacy, um, you know, maybe we should move on. <laughs> That's so sketchy. Okay. So why don't you tell us about your upbringing? Because it was very unique compared to the general population. Well, I'm from the Midwest. I am the youngest of five. Um, pastor's kid. My dad's a pastor. Uh, was a pastor. He's retired. And um, grandpa's a pastor. Uncle's a pastor. Two brother-in-laws are a pastor. And then also you were homeschooled. And also, yeah, I was homeschooled. You said earlier sixth grade. Went to you said earlier. You said earlier you were raised to be a husband and a father. So you grew up with very strong family values. You grew up as a pastor's kid, which comes with its own unique set of challenges and expectations. Yeah. So I think, I think when people think of homeschool, they don't homeschool now is way different than when I was homeschooled. Mm -hmm. Like I have nieces and nephews that are, that are homeschooled, but it's not the same as when I was homeschooled. Um, but when I was, but when I was homeschooled, they, they did have like homeschool groups. It's not like I was just like home with like my siblings and my mom. And that was like, those were like the only people that I saw for like the 13 years of, of my life. I was, I was raised, but I was also pastor's kid and we had a semi large church. I think there's four to 500 people went to church. It was young families, so I had I had friends in my neighborhood um, that we we didn't have like video games, 
you know? So like majority of like my childhood was spent outside, um, at least while I was homeschooled. I was outside playing sports, getting, you know, throwing rocks at cars, um, throwing, uh, you know, hitting hockey pucks at garage doors, throwing baseballs at windows, you know, your typical childhood um, in the Midwest. And, you know, your winters are spent outside building snow, um, snow forts. And didn't matter how cold it was. Um, snow, not really snowman because sometimes it got too cold. You couldn't make a, you couldn't, snow wasn't compact. So, um, you kind of got creative. Um, one of my childhood memories is, um, it's kind of funny because we, I was a friend who I was his best man for in his wedding. Um, he lived at the time, you know, six houses down. And one of our goals was to build tunnels to each other's houses okay yeah, I feel so like went through that with their friends yeah so and they, and like you know and the whole neighborhood's on it like we had there's probably 10 or 12 kids in our neighborhood that we all knew we all knew each other we all played hockey together on the street we all played baseball soccer um basketball we all played sports together and we you know me and me and Aaron, we tried to dig holes to each other's houses, which really just turned into like uh, four or five feet holes that turned when it rained turned into like mosquito nesting grounds. And then, so like, our, so our parents were just like pissed that we just had like this like mosquito um, nest in our in our in our backyards. Um, but a lot of good memories growing up. And then yeah, so that was that was. Um, probably until I was, I was in sixth grade, went to school at seventh grade. Nothing really changed. Nothing like in my social, uh, like I didn't have like, I was never like awkward, um, socially because like I was constantly around people. Um, whether it was quote homeschool group, which at the time looking back was pretty pathetic. What they have now is much better. Um, but They had, like, you know, homeschool group. Um, and, you know, we had youth group. We had, you know, church. And, you know, I was at church three nights, basically three days a week almost um, with other kids my age. So I never really felt like I was, like, socially behind or anything like that. But I think, I think again, but most honestly, most of the kids that I grew up with that were homeschooled um, are – very successful now have their own businesses very entrepreneurial like thriving in life having a lot of kids you know stuff like that (laughs) that's interesting that you say thriving having a lot of kids as if that's a marker of thriving because i think that really shows our difference in um in upbringing i think you know i said Somebody, I, there, there's other people, there's other kids, my age, other people that my, that are my age that don't have any kids and they, they think that kids are a burden and that's really sad. I think that's really sad because I don't, I never, you know, I have 16, 15 nieces and nephews or whatever it is, you know, the Midwest is, you know, the winters, there's really not much to do except for have kids, <laughs> but like, you know, but for the most part, you know, like I think families miss out on it. 
they they think that it, it's a burden and i think you know i think as people as a species we kind of yearn almost to like build things and create things um and when we're not building building things or building families or building um we kind of get depressed and so um I think that making a family is one of the biggest joys and blessings um, that somebody can have. And I think I've said this before, somebody I've heard, I heard on a podcaster, or maybe somebody told me that, you know, my kids, I'm not raising, you know, my kids, I'm raising the father of my or father or daughter of my grandkids, <laughs> father or mother father. of my grandkids. Right. And so when you put that in perspective and you try and you look at like what you can, what you can do, like, you know, I, I just constantly daydream about the time where like, I, you know, we're old and, you know, Hawthorne has a bunch of kids and, you know, if we're blessed to have a couple more um, and they have kids and, you know, it's, uh, we're at Christmas and it's all of our grandkids around us. You know, I think, I think that, that's really honestly like goals. So you I don't know why you're laughing. I think that. <laughs> no, I think that's so sweet. I think that's so sweet. I, I mean, I don't daydream about being an old person, but I think that's beautiful that you do. So you were raised to be a husband and a father. Can you tell me more about that? Because I, there was no intention for that in my upbringing. I don't think to be a mother and a wife. I, I come from a very like, very much independence-oriented, success-oriented um, upbringing, meaning, like, don't depend on anyone else and also be a doctor or make a ton of money. And that was my idea of success for a majority of my life. So tell me more about, like, what were some things that you were looking for and the girls that you were dating? What was... What was the goal? I remember, I think one time you told me that you, your goal was to have like four kids by like 30. Oh God. I failed. Um, so no, <laughs> My fault. I think that, no, that's not your fault. Yeah, no, I think that, I think I was, I was raised to, my parents gave me a lot of value, um, in, becoming and 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 also giving me that vision of the future of having like kids and what that looks like and a legacy you know i never i never i never saw my parents really argue i never saw them fight mm-hmm. um i didn't have i didn't have that um that um like that that like fear that you would marry somebody that you would hate that like never crossed my mind like once um because they also they also shared with me you know like how to find a spouse you know uh i think that they always said like look at how um if you're dating somebody look at how they treat their father or if they if they were talking to my sisters, they'd be like, "Look at how they talk to um, their mother." 
or, you know, their, their father or, you know, whatever. Um, and so that, that's come, that's something that they kind of shared. And, 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 that, and honestly, like I would look and, 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 and I would, I would pay attention to that. Um, and that was something that kind of stood, stood out to me. Um, I do want to talk about marriage sure. because I marriage and like, I was always like, I think that I might want to have one kid. Maybe um, if I do get married, I would like to get married to a gay man. We'll have the same values and in how we'll raise our children. We can totally do it separately, like not have sex, just be independent, just like cohabit. Wanted to cohabitate, cohabit. And that was like kind of my goal for a lot of my life until I met you and you taught me a lot about marriage. And I think for a lot of people, marriage is either scary or easy when they're going into it. And it is neither. It is both. It is both. And it is neither. And I want to talk about, because I think that the way that we approach marriage, despite the fact that I never was really sure if I wanted to get married, I was very sure that if I did get married, I wanted to be in therapy. I wanted to do counseling. I knew that it was difficult and I never wanted to mistake myself or fool myself into thinking that it was going to be a cakewalk. And you also came from kind of a different upbringing, but the same conclusion. And so I want to talk about how we approached and prepared for yeah. marriage. So. And how so I think I think most people itself. most people marry uh, marriage scares people, um, but by but from a um, a different perspective is that a lot of people are afraid of marriage and they're constantly um, running from it almost, and that they're probably um, just kind of searching for the next best thing. Where mm-hmm. I always looked at it as um, I didn't want to be old, retired, and alone. And there's kind of a, and there's kind of a, um, point, and it, and it, and it, and it's probably more for women, honestly, because there's like a kind of like a, a biological time ticker for like having kids and stuff like that. But, the, but, but I didn't want to be, you know, older and then like a bachelor, right? I, and I don't want, I definitely didn't want to be old and alone. Um, so a lot of times like, yeah, we, we look at like, yeah, I can go and have fun. I can, you know, hit the clubs. I can, you know, go and like hook up with a bunch of people. And I think that that would be like a lot of fun, a lot of memories, a lot of stories, a lot of fun. Like, I think, I think a lot of young people look at it look at it that way that was that was never me um because i was always looking at it from a different perspective as like i just want to find one that i'm just like ready for the rest of my life um but then by the time like everyone's having fun and like going around um and having a bunch of flings it's like almost too late because like all the good ones are kind of What I really valued about our relationship is there was a point when I I vividly remember this. I don't know if it's like a core memory for you, but 
after we were engaged, we were in the car and I looked over at you after lunch and I said, I'm scared to get married to you. Not because I was scared to get married to you as a person, but I was scared to get married because I was scared to make that lifelong commitment. I was scared of ending up having a relationship that just wasn't what I wanted for the rest of my life. I was scared that I was missing out on something, quote, better. And one, I was really grateful that I felt safe enough to tell you that after we were already engaged. And two, I really appreciated your candor because you responded and you said, me too, but, and iterated exactly what you just said. You said, a lot of us are prone or trained or conditioned to always think that or look for something better out there. Um, but the worst thing that we would want is to continue chasing that something better and then be 65 and alone. And that said a lot to me. And then what I also appreciated about us is, and you specifically, is that you were always very on board with and passionate about and a proponent of premarital therapy and premarital counseling. I think we went to couples counseling before we were even engaged. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, no, we didn't break up. You broke up with me, which was objectively a dumbass decision. Can you agree? Yeah, I think, I, yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, yes, yes, I did break up with you, but I think I was scared too. I think, I think for the same reasons that most people get scared of getting in a relationship um, and, and, and locking down somebody, you know, it's a lifetime commitment. It's a, and I think that was the time that we were getting really serious. And I, and I think that's why when we were engaged and you said that I was scared, I think that I was able to um, come up with like such an enlightening um uh, spiel because I had that moment where I was like, well, there's could be something better, right? Or there could be something, you know, or, or there could be something better out there for me. What, were you, what do you think were some of the most important things that we did to set ourselves up for a successful marriage? One, we we're proactive um, in marriage. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just think it's the next step. A lot of people just think like, like, oh, we're engaged, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay, the next thing in our relationship is to get engaged. Okay, well, the next thing is to get married. Um, but there's really no education um, in marriage, what marriage is, um, how hard it is. It's kind of always like you want to choose your hard, right? Like marriage is hard, but it also can be a lot of fun. Like working out is hard. Um, being fat is hard, but like, you know, you choose, you, you choose your hard, right? Like being successful, unsuccess unsuccessful, being broke, being poor, like both are very hard. You kind of, you have to choose your hard. Um, and having a, a successful marriage is, is hard. Right. And I think that when we took our class, um, when we took like a class and there's some other people and somebody asks, like, how do you, how, uh, scale of one to 10, how hard do you think marriage is? Right. And everyone said, like, everyone was like, out of, like, you know, 10 being the hardest or something like that. And, and there's people in our class that were like, oh, it's like, like four, you know, three, you know, and, and, 
And I was like, no, like, I think I, th- I said that like 12. Like, I was like, no, marriage, I know marriage is hard. Like, I, I understand that um, it's not, there's, you're not, after two years, the fuzzies go away. And it was funny because everyone that wasn't married um, and um, was what kind of looked at, looked at us a little weird. And the, the people leading the class, like, wholeheartedly agreed that it wasn't mm-hmm. that marriage was hard. I use marriage and real estate a lot when I speak to agents. And, and this is kind of funny because like real estate's hard. You have to wake up and you have to choose why you are in real estate, right? And just like marriage, you have to choose why you're married to that person, right? And so you have to wake up and accept the fact that you're, that you're married and then remember why that you're married and then choose um, why you're married to that person. And a lot of, a lot of that times, a lot of that is remembering a lot of like the little stuff, Mm -hmm. a lot of the little stuff that like won you over, you know, when you were dating, because that those, those first two years of dating, um, they may seem like they're a lot of fun. And a lot of people or six months or whatever, like, I don't know, like whatever, however long, like those warm and fuzzies last, but they go away. So you have to remember why you chose your partner. I think that a lot of people don't consider until like it's quote too late or they're already married and they're like having huge fights over this is when they have the realization that, oh shit, we are two completely different people coming from two completely different upbringings and views of the world, completely different values and traditions, trying to forge ourselves together into one and make that work. And that I faced, I'm so glad that we had counseling. We had not only therapy, but we also had counseling from marriage mentors. We took like two or three marriage classes with our church and we read like two or three books. When I realized that there was such a difference in values and traditions is when I realized how much work there was involved in marriage. And I think there was an activity that there was an activity that we did with one of our marriage classes where we individually and separately divided up who would do what around the house. And it seems so simple, but if there are two different people that are coming into a relationship and into a marriage and into the same house, if they're not already living together, who have different ideas of who does what, then it's not, it's just not going to work. For example, I hate doing the floors. I have never swept. I've never enjoyed sweeping. I've never been good at sweeping. I don't mop. I don't vacuum. That's never been a thing. I love doing the dishes. I love doing laundry. I love folding the laundry. I love making the bed. Floors, not me. Math, not me. Budgeting, not me. Bills, not me. So being able to divide those things up individually and then coming back together and discussing that was huge. And it seems so simple talking about it now. But if you're two different people that are coming into a relationship and you, for example, like, I don't know, um, you're both like, all right, time to clean the house. Let's just dedicate Saturday to cleaning the house. 
and one person views the priority of cleaning the house as bedrooms and bathrooms, and another person prioritizes cleaning the house as kitchen and living room, and you both go to your two separate things, it can be really frustrating and it can be really easy to feel like my partner's not helping me. Whereas if you shake these things out, comb through these things, analyze and discuss these things beforehand, you're not going to face so many of those seemingly small road bumps that later turn into animosity and resentment in your relationship. Does that make sense? Resentment definitely builds up um, when you're in a relationship, (laughs) especially when you're living together. Um, Mm -hmm. It can be little stuff that just adds over time. Right. Um, but I think that most, most of the time, um, you just have to talk about it. Yeah. Like, Hey, can you pick up your underwear? Oh my God. Or like, yeah. or like, Hey Susie, or like, Hey Robbie, can you not just leave a dish in the sink and can you just put it in the dishwasher? Yeah. Yeah, like, and honestly, it doesn't sound like it's much. Right. It doesn't sound like a lot. But um, when it's just like over and over throughout the week, weeks on end, months on end, mm-hmm. it builds up. And then you, and, and then really- all of a sudden, like, you don't want to, you don't want to like be around them. You don't want to, you don't want to have sex with them. You don't want to like do anything with them. You don't want to talk to them because of this freaking dish. It's in the same. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really important. And what I really value about our relationship is there's so much open communication. And it's so important to go into marriage or any relationship without ego. Um, because it can be very easy when a partner approaches you about something that's bothering them to become defensive. And I know for me, and I'm sure for you too, that when we approached each other about things that were bothering us, it was very, it took a lot of learning to, instead of become defensive, then become receptive. I can't tell you like, you know, how many times have I sat you down on the couch and been like, I have resentment building up and I want to talk about it. And I tell you why I've been annoyed with you. Well, most of the time you're like, hey, we need to talk. And then it's just like something. I had a bad dream. And I'm like, okay, "Okay, well, that was not something we had talked about. That's the beauty of it, right? Is that we have such an open relationship and we've both worked very hard to become receptive to feedback that I can sit you down at the very onset of something that could grow into resentment And I can sit you down and talk to you about it and talk to you about what you've been doing that's bothering me, why it's bothering me, and then have a conversation together about how we can work together to fix it. So that even though we might be annoyed with each other very often, which is bound to happen with two different people that are living together and sharing their lives together, we immediately nip it in the bud, have a conversation about how we can fix it no hard feelings. And then we move on. And I think that a lot of our friends have often told me, I don't know how many of them have told you have looked at me and said, I feel like you and Robbie don't fight or you and Robbie are relationship goals. 
And I really am grateful when I hear those compliments because it is the result of a lot of hard work on both of our ends for very authentic and radical communication and honesty and an effort and an effort period, an effort to make this marriage work. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I mean, it's, it wasn't it's not easy and we're not perfect. Like you and I, we're definitely not perfect. Like we definitely both, there, there, there will definitely be times where we go. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times where we go, you know, way longer than we should with resentment. I mean, fair, but, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that our, the foundation, like if, if you are dating somebody and going, um, know that you want to be with them and you're you're going to get engaged you know like i i'm a huge fan of premarital premarital counseling um it has i think that it has a lot of conversations uh, brings up a lot of conversations that Mm -hmm. you just never really think to have um and i think that well there's two books that i think that really um talked about that with us or, or, or helped us helped us uh, helped us talk about things um one was love and respect i think that was a great book it basically just kind of talked about the difference between men and women and how they how they receive love right men want to feel respected women want to feel loved and the other one was um preparing for marriage which was more of a workbook but it was preparing yeah. for marriage. And that one was like really awesome, like hard questions. Not it, it, hard questions can be relative for a lot of, for a lot of different people, but just kind of talked about, yeah, who's going to take the laundry? How many times a week are you going to have sex? How many times a week can you have sex on the honeymoon? You know, like it, yeah. it just kind of really set um, expectations Yes. Um, for a lot of things, because because I think a lot of people can be such a killer in a relationship. Yeah, because our expectations are way different than our partner's expectations, and they have no idea that we're expecting them to do our expectations. Right. Yes. Such a good point. And that just kind of goes back to like how we receive love. And how we receive respect. So what piece of advice, before I get to my um, fun questions, what piece of advice would you give to new couples that are engaged or just in a relationship thinking about engagement or about to be married or freshly married even? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, knowing that um, Friday is actually our three-year anniversary of being married. Um, and this comes out on Friday and I'm wearing my Friday shirt. Okay. So I don't think it's just one thing, but I think that some things that I, some questions that I would ask them are how does your significant other treat their mother or father? Is it respectful? Is it loving? Like if, if, you know, I, if you were looking at me, how would I treat my mom? Or, you know, if I'm looking at you, how would you shoot your dad? 
And is it respectful or is it loving? Because that's what they're going to ultimately kind of treat you at the end of the day. If they think that their mom's an idiot, if they think that their mom's an idiot, then they're probably going to think that you're an idiot at some point in the marriage. Right. Um, if, you know, if they, they treat her poorly, then that's probably something that they're going to also treat you poorly later. Um, on in the marriage, whether it can, it doesn't have to be just now, but maybe later. Um, another thing I would really focus on is, yeah, getting premarital counseling and then understanding how the other person receives love. There is plenty of content out there that talks about this. Um, there's plenty of like books and um, book, like whether it's Christian or non-Christian, there's books on, um, how men receive love, how women receive love. And I think it sometimes goes to back to a simple question of like in the workplace, like if you want the other people to like you, or if they want you to feel respect, or if you want them to respect you, most of the time, the men want everyone to respect them. And the women want people to like them. and then also like you're and don't fight in front of people like don't do that so important don't fight in front of people um, and don't I, speak poorly about your partner in front of people a lot of people you know shit on marriage and they they're not just shitting on marriage they're also shitting on their spouse and that's probably like the big like if somebody's talking to me about that like it's a instant red flag of whether or not i'm going to receive advice from them in the future about life if they're if they're talking poorly about their spouse um i'm 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 not about it yeah no like i don't speak badly about Susie whether she like in a group or like in front of her i don't put her down or also um behind her back I don't think that that is appropriate. I think that is a good practice for marriages in general, just to not, and not just like marriages, like even if it's like your, your fiance, if you know that you want to be with them and you want to spend the rest of your life with them, um, boyfriends, girlfriends, there's no commitment. Put a ring on it. Like there's no commitment there, but like, Sure, share share your concerns. But as far as like talking down about him, just have that conversation. If you if there's really something that you are like upset about with your significant other, then you need to talk to that person, that your significant other about that that problem and not somebody else. Oh, what about you? Babe? What what's like what's some advice that you would give? That was my biggest thing. Um, one is therapy and counseling because marriage is not as easy as a lot of people think or the media portrays. And I think that you need as many tools and as, as many tools as possible. And you need all of the conversations that you would never expect to have beforehand. Yeah. At least to flesh out like the outlines of them or your tentative thoughts about a lot of topics that you might right, face within right. your marriage. I think it's important to broach those together beforehand. And also mm-hmm. 
not speaking negatively has been huge for me. I think once we were introduced to that idea, it changed the way that I viewed everyone else's relationship and our relationship. Once we got engaged, I was very intentional about not speaking poorly about you, not speaking poorly about our relationship, not complaining about you because you're right. That's something that I need to take up with you. And I think that's something that can be applied to any type of relationship, a friendship, mother, daughter, father, daughter, boss, employee, like don't complain about something, do something about it. Talk to the person that you have a problem with. I think it's completely inappropriate to just be complaining about your spouse to your friend. Um, I think that I've probably complained about you once or twice since we've gotten engaged, but it says so much when you're in a relationship with someone and you're speaking poorly about them behind their backs. And I think that just continues to create the divide between two people in a partnership because it creates like secrets. When you're talking shit or complaining about your partner instead of talking to them directly, that's just another piece of information or instance that's serving to separate you further and separate your communication. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, we it's didn't, building we didn't even talk about secrets. Yeah. We didn't even talk about, we didn't really talk, mention oh, yeah. like how, how just keeping secrets from your spouse is a terrible idea. Um, no secrets and even that can, yeah. I mean, I think that could be, that could be about anything. Like, your spouse should feel comfortable enough to ask and you should feel comfortable enough with your spouse. Um, if they ask you about like, I don't know, your past or questions or past relationships that you should feel comfortable answering that question, knowing that they'll accept you for you. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that is kind of yeah. something in, that that, it, that is in your past, and I think that you know, keeping keeping secrets in general um, is a terrible idea. I think I think it, I think that is just a seed that grows in the marriage and just really just kind of ruins it because it's not just one secret. There's another secret, and then there's another mm-hmm. secret. And it just keeps on building. As uncomfortable as it is, it is always, always, always better to be overly radically honest with your partner than to let something grow behind the scenes and then have to approach them about it later. Robbie and I have all of our passwords to everything. We leave our phones around. We know our passcodes. Um, I, I, I just, I think that's so important. We've known way too many people who have hidden something that they think is small and then it inevitably grows to something significantly bigger and that becomes a huge divide. So I ask all of my guests five questions that I don't tell them about beforehand. They're completely unique to you and your experiences and what you have to offer. Number one, <laughs> what is your ideal living situation? Oh my gosh. This is such an easy question. Honestly, yeah, uh, I was expecting a lot harder question for, 
for okay, this. Well, so we'll see how the next we'll see how the next four are. Um, ideal living situation. Wow, I would really just love um, some acres in the mountains, and where you know, uh, like you know, just a cabin, completely secluded from society, just your family, acres. You know, you have your garden, your cows, your chickens, and um, that's it. That's all you need. Small church, you know, stuff like that. You prefer morning or night? That, that's the that's the question. Um, I probably prefer. This has changed. I like my mornings. Really? I was not expecting that. I've liked. I know. I know. I know. But I also like my nights. But, but like, I like my morning. So, I do you feel like your brain works better in the morning or the nighttime? Morning, hundred percent. Personally. Yeah. I'm surprised. You don't necessarily work at night, but you stay up late. And yeah, I go to bed before. Not, my brain's not working. Um, what is your favorite type of soup? Oh, that's a good question because I love soup. Honestly, one of my my favorite soup <laughs> is probably <laughs> a tomato bisque with a grilled cheese sandwich. Okay. Very basic. Love it. That's so yeah. Sweet tomatoes. I don't know if you remember that place. It was oh. a franchise. They had salads and soups. They had salads and soups. I skipped the salad section straight to the soups. Those 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 that would be it was like Yeah, like I threw like some pickles on the plate. Okay. What is something that people wouldn't expect of you? I love oil tasting. Olive oil tasting. Oh, yes. We haven't done that in a while. It's been a while because we haven't gone on vacation in a while. But yes, olive oil tasting. That's one of our couple hobbies. We have wineries, breweries, and olive oil tastings. Yes. Yes. It's been like three years. And then the last question is, what is your favorite thing about me? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question, Suzanne. Um, probably. <laughs> so my favorite thing about Susie is one, one, one thing about Susie is that she's way cooler than me, right? I say that, I say that to everyone that Susie's way cooler oh. than me um but she's really good with she's really good with like meeting new people she's really good at meeting new people and that that like icebreaker that mm-hmm. that a lot of people that that a lot of people can't um crack almost it makes it a, a really easy in social situations. Um, I'm not saying that that's, that's a lame, that's a really lame answer to that no, question. No, it's not. That's but not I, what I was expecting I think, <laughs> But I think that, but I think that that is like um, really aligned with my personality because um, sure, sure, like I can, once I'm like, once like I'm warmed up 
or and people are warmed up with me i'm like really easygoing and like i you know i could have a really good conversation with a lot of people but i think that you just kind of take over a present your 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 presence kind of takes over a room um when you're meeting somebody new you always make them feel really warm and fuzzy even though sometimes it comes off really fake oh that's so unfortunate that's so unfortunate so many people think that i'm fake and i'm actually really genuine yeah i know but like but i mean i think that that is, that that says a lot because there's some people that are like you know you know not everyone has the life has a good life like we do and a lot of people are miserable and i think that you know um you you, you bring a lot of joy to people's lives Oh, thank you. Okay. I'm a good Tell people where they can find you, where they can support you and follow you and all of your adventures. Yeah. So um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Realtor Lions. It's basically um, my Realtor Instagram. Yeah, new influencer in the house. I went viral a couple times. <laughs> so... And I mean, not viral in the sense of like Susie, but viral in the sense of like, you know, I don't probably only have like 250, 250 followers, but you know, I get some, I get some views sometimes, <laughs> but, but yeah, Realtor Lions, um, that's kind of my, my main social as of lately. I don't really post on my personal, um, as much. Um, Susie has made it very easy being active on social because we're, you know, a content house now. So <laughs> it's also like 1030 okay. at night and we're usually in bed at like nine. So I know this was very fun. This was fun, right? No, it was a good time. Uh, good luck editing this podcast. We might have to break it down into like two parts. Yeah. You know, I'm just glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a lot where, you know, I get to join on a, you know, million, million views a month podcast. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Okay. Thanks. I'm going to go to the bathroom and then I'm going to come see you. Okay. 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 Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Unbranded with Misty Loves You. I hope that you found some value in this and had just as much fun as we did. If you like this podcast, please follow it, subscribe to it, leave a comment, leave a review. It means so much to me. Share it with your friends if you think that they would find value in it. That would just light me up inside. I hope you have the best day ever. Same time next week. Misty Loves You. Bye.